Hello and welcome to the podcast. Support us by subscribing and sharing. We're on Patreon, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Joining me is always my co-host. It's the holiday season. Whoop-de-doo. I'm Craig. You can just say your fucking name there, could you? <laughs> I have to jive in. Uh, oh, because it's yeah, so yeah. hard to be like, oh, I'm Adam. Oh, no, I'm uh, fucking... We're getting bitch with podcasting, or here comes the yeah. alpha cliffhanger. All right, okay. How about uh, he knows what it's like to feel like a Christmas TV dinner? Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, how does the That's same a... podcast happen to the same guys twice? Oh, I like that. Okay, uh, you can keep that bit. Thanks. Uh, you're listening to uh, fuck it. The uh, Christmas special please. of the Guilty Pleasure Cinema Podcast. Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure, Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure, Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. Merry Christmas, this is the Christmas special for 2021, seeing it off into the new year. We thought we'd drop in a very, very special movie for us. We are doing Die Hard 2. Die Harder. They really tried is with that. Is it Die Harder? It is it's Die Hard 2, Die Harder, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and then they didn't make any more after that. They nope. did not. So out of that trilogy, which is actually your favourite? So uh, it's interesting, that's the first question, because for years and like years, Die Hard 2 was my favourite. And um, obviously it's not the best one, but it's probably one of the only sequels that isn't better than the original but that gets mm. it right in terms of like, oh, what are we going to bring back from the first one? What references yeah. are we going to make so as that everyone goes, ah, there's the John McClane we love. But it mm. just isn't, obviously it hasn't got Hans Gruber, so it's just not as good. Yeah, I definitely remember it, for me anyway, being the better one. And I, I have, a, I'd say, a soft spot for Die Hard Vengeance, where I'd almost put Die Hard 1 and Die Hard Vengeance almost on the same platform. Mm. And then slightly elevated above that is Die Hard 2. And I can't tell you why. I can never. Like, I'm thinking back to it. It's been a while since I've watched this movie. Yeah. I've, I've. I don't know either. I don't know what my reason was. I do remember that Die Hard Two, Die Harder, mm. was the best one of the. You, on the PlayStation One, you could get like a triple pack of Die Hard. Oh, games. Die Hard trilogy. Yeah, it's it, it amazing. Trilogy? Great, amazing game. Uh, highly critically so, acclaimed. That Die Hard One, Die Hard. Uh, you, you had to get to the bombs in Nakatomi Plaza, and I could never achieve that. Yeah. And Die Hard 3, you were in the cab with mm-hmm. uh, Zeus, yeah. and you had to get to the bombs before they went off, and I can never achieve that. But uh, Die Hard 2, the video game, was like a first-person side-scroll almost shooter. Yeah, up. a rail shooter. A rail shooter, thank you. And man, it was fucking cool. It was very cool. I, I do remember you used to be able to like get different ammunition, so you could get like shotgun and explosive ammo and all that something yeah. weird shit. And I do like the fact that you just went so into it. Kind of remind me a lot of Virtua Cop as well. That similar sort of vibe. Yeah, or um, Time Crisis, any mm. of those kind of vibes. Uh, but before we get into that, Adam, what has been your Christmas movie viewing experience so far this year? Oh, not a lot really um it's it's a bit of a weird one um i, I suppose let's date this podcast right now um <laughs> with it being uh, 2021 we are sort of teetering on maybe a potential lockdown before going into the new year and 
there's been a few movies that are coming out, but I just do not want to go to the cinema or see them. So I've not seen the new Spider-Man yet. Uh, probably nope. won't go see the new Matrix in the cinema at this rate. And you're definitely not going to go see the new West Side Story, I bet. Uh, definitely not, no. Um, <laughs> I've not heard great things about it anyway. So My you... question is, where's Top Gun 2? Because that was supposed to come yeah, out in November. Yeah, where the fuck is Top Gun 2? Oh, great. Yeah. Um, so for myself, I would think that... Okay, my Netflix uh, will, and Disney Plus will be... Uh, getting, <laughs> and Pornhub. And Pornhub. Uh, will be getting rinsed. But I've only been watching, really, Hawkeye, uh, which is yeah. a bit Christmassy. It is set at Christmas. <laughs> uh, I have not dabbled in yet any of the Christmas movies because I feel like we're on the sort of stretch, the week to Christmas. So this is the week to start watching it. To be fair, mate, I haven't even put up the Christmas tree yet. So... My goodness. I know. I did put up a Christmas tree at work. It looks banging. But um, I've not yet to put one up here, which I probably need to get on that. I think so. You've got six days to go. So yeah, at the days. time of recording. What about yourself? Well, so I've uh, recently moved in with my partner and her kids. So mm-hmm. Christmas films have been happening sort of. Yeah. Uh, I introduced the oldest one to uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Of course, that's the best Christmas movie of the all time. The best Christmas movie of all time, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched Home Alone and Home Alone 2 with the two youngest. Oh, yeah, and how are they but finding that? Two of their favourite films of all time. Good choice. Nailed it. They'd yeah, never seen them before. Good taste. Yep. But then outside of that, I've had to start watching like the oh, that's a Christmas movie too kind of movies because mm. the evenings can't just be spent watching Die Hard 2, Die Harder. And so I've watched The Family Stone. Yikes. Mm-hmm. But, man, I had a great moment watching the film While You Were Sleeping. While You Were Sleeping? Why do I know that? That is Sandra Bullock who tricks the family oh. of someone who's in a coma into thinking she's the fiance it's yes. a movie that really did well to make her the protagonist and not a man because if it was a male in that that role wow what a problematic film but doesn't uh, if i remember correctly should they're all like she meets like the family and, and sort of like integrates into them and isn't there like the brother who's like a little bit suspicious bill pullman yeah yeah and he's like oh, does he like the red socks or the white socks yeah and then she's like look he's got one testicle okay and everyone <laughs> believes her but watching it and it's 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 not a great movie no no at all but <laughs> right at the very end spoiler alert sandra bullock and bill pullman get married and like on the back of a train because she works for the train station yeah uh with the just married on the back and they go off into the sunset. And do you know what's uh, ahead of them? And do you know what's in the background of this shot? I do not. It is the building of the Chicago Sun Daily Mail Express Times. <laughs> and I I had an hour and a half of like, all right, I suppose we're getting through this, followed by, whoo, look at that. And it was, <laughs> that's all I'm going to take from this movie. Um, but yeah, no, you know, Christmas is upon us. It is very much upon us. Uh, so with this Die Hard 2 1990 R-rated, uh, this is called uh, A Hard Nut to Crack in Russian, <laughs> if you didn't know that. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so the Russian That's titles... a Vinnie Jones movie that needs to get made. Uh, so if you've never seen this movie before, which I was shocked the other day, I went for a improv dinner with uh, Helen's brother and his wife. And they were like, and by oh. improv, you mean impromptu, not you were just feeding each other one-liners for the whole night. No, that's exactly what I meant. So, yeah, like, <laughs> it was, uh, you know. I would like the soup. Yes, and I would like the salad. Where where am I? <laughs> Who am I? What job do I have? I need so. a suggestion. You're in a restaurant. No, too easy. 
So we were sitting down for dinner and they were like, oh, um, yeah, have, have you watched Die Hard? And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah, of course I have. And it's like, oh, yeah, because you, you recommended us for like, because it's a Christmas movie. We'd never seen it before. I was a bit like, I was taken aback because I was a bit like, what do you mean you never watched Die Hard before? But thanks for listening. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like yeah. before I admonished you, like, uh, yeah, thank, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate yeah. you as a fan. But how the fuck have you never watched Die Hard before? <laughs> and then they were like, oh, you've never seen it before. And I was like, oh, well, me and Craig are going to uh, record for Die Hard 2 this week. And they're like, there's a Die Hard 2? Son of a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, there, and there's a the third one. And they were like, oh, is it? And it's like, and but that's it. There's anything free, uh, but I was very surprised uh, that again that people have not seen this fucking movie. Helen obviously not seen Die Hard two either, which I was just shocked by because I think this is just such a staple of like nineties action movies. But it kind of almost transcends beyond that because it's just such a cultural phenomenon that is Die Hard. Yeah, it's it's it it is Bruce Willis, isn't it? It's just. It's the reason we all know and love him. Not moonlighting. Anyone who tells you it's moonlighting <laughs> or, is wrong. Yeah, Hudson Hawk. Or Hudson Hawk. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's the reason he's a joint owner of Planet Hollywood. He is mm. he is the consummate action hero. I I find more and more I have these conversations with people where I'm like, oh, have you seen this? No. And then I just have to suppress my rage <laughs> so I don't come across <laughs> as that asshole. But it's happening more and more with mm. like we're getting Obvious. older, Chris. That's that's what it With, is. Well, I'm getting older, but also there's more and more people I'm meeting who yeah. have seen fewer and fewer films. So it's like, have you seen Finding Nemo? No. Wait, what? Do you know what? It doesn't matter. But I, it I doesn't matter. We've had this conversation before that obviously with the expansion in the library of movies that are available to mm. watch, when you kind of think of uh, the back catalogue of you know going back even all the way to like the 90s. This is movies from 1990. If you didn't watch it then. You know, there's been like another sort of like near thirty years of movies. You can kind of almost like forgive people to an extent, but Die Hard Two, my God! If you've not watched this movie before, it is about John McClane. Uh, if you remember him from the previous movie, uh, he attempts to avert a disaster as a rogue military operative seeks control of Dallas International Airport in Washington D.C. Wait, like, it's not Dallas? Are you sure? I mean, look, I'm not Dallas gonna, uh, International because Dallas. Dallas okay. is not in Washington DC as far as no, I know. No, that that makes sense. It Absolutely does. makes sense. Is it in Washington State? I uh, know DC. Washington no, State is on the no, other side. Da- no, what state is Dallas in? Uh, Texas, Dallas. I guess. Yeah, I would have thought it's Texas. I'm just going to guess that it's fucking right. Texas. Well, there you go. Dallas, no, then Cowboys. Based yeah. on the based on JR's cowboy hat from the TV show, I'm going to guess that it's Texas. Something around that region, something south. Well, there you go. I. <laughs> I really was confident it was Dallas, but cool, Dallas. Dallas, yeah, I know, for the longest time. But then I always used to get confused that it was snowing, and that's why I always mm. thought they were all like really incompetent, because it was snowing in Dallas. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you've never watched that movie before, uh, here's the trailer. Emergencies, we are in a cold yellow. Instrument landing system is down. Backup systems won't come up. Every system's dead. These guys shut us down. Attention all controllers, we have a code red alert. We just bought maybe two hours. After that, those planes low on fuel aren't going to be circling. They're going to be dropping on the White House lawn. I want every officer recalled and assembled in body armor with full weaponry in the motor pool in five minutes. It's time to kick it. Our SWAT team's gone. Well, maybe they're just a little bit more creative than you think. Start looking for a new miracle. Who the hell is this? We don't need a loose cannon on this deck. 
You get the hell out of my office before I throw you out of my damn airport. You're the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Story of my life. They say lightning doesn't strike twice. That's how I spent Christmas last year. They were wrong. McLean, is this what you were expecting? Nah, no, this is just the beginning. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2. Die Harder. Uh, Rennie Harlan, what do we know that name? Uh, from Cliffhanger and Along Kiss Goodnight and from being Finland's finest film export. Yeah, you, you listen. I like it. Uh, yeah, so he's been on our podcast now for, uh, quite a few times now. Uh, so I don't think we need to give him too much lip service. But yeah, uh, Die Hard 2. Uh, he uh, would say... What was the last movie we did? Cliffhanger, wasn't it? Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger when he was uh, on last. We kind of noted a lot about how he did a lot of these swooping crane shots, these really cool action scenes, different angles and things like that. Mm. I think this does come in quite a bit into this movie as well. There's a lot of interesting perspectives and angles that he uses to kind of create tension or even the kind of viewpoints of people in a way which I'll try and bring up if I remember to. Uh, but writing credits, there are some uh, familiar names on here as well. So we've got Stephen E. D. Souza. Uh, where do we yep. know that name from? That's a name that I'm like, oh, yeah, he's done some stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh. He has. Stephen E. D. Souza, longest goodnight. Uh, no. uh, so he okay. did uh, Street Fighter. Uh, nice. He did Judge Dredd. He did... Brah, there you go. There we go. Uh, Tomb Raider, Angelina Journey. But yep. remember this, he also wrote Commando... Okay, remember okay. put that put that in your back pocket, right? Because that'll come out yep. later. Uh, Doug Richardson, uh, do you know that name? Nope. Well, you should do because he's the writer of Bad Boys. Ah, maybe okay. that you yes. were trying to watch the other day. Yes, uh, I was. Yes, you were. Um, and he also wrote Money Train as well. Money Train. There we go. Uh, Walter Wagner. Uh, he is the author of the book that this movie is based on, which is Fifty Eight Minutes. There See, this is this is what they don't tell you is that Die Hard as well, not Die Hard mm. too, but Die Hard as well is based on a book. Yes. You'll always forget that. Um, just a quick question: Do you know who was originally touted to play John McClane? There were there's a long list, but a few of the names. I assume that there would be all the sort of the usual action stars, um, which would be Stallone and Schwarzenegger and things no. like that. Uh, no. Mel Gibson. Uh, oh no, I think maybe not. I don't know for sure, but Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. And I'm confident Frank Sinatra. No. It re- it was re- been revealed that Frank Sinatra was once offered the role of John McClane in the Die Hard film franchise. He was offered the role due to a contract clause. Sinatra starred in the film The Detective, which was based off the novel with the same name by author Roderick Thorpe. It, well, yes. So, yes. Ah, interesting. Very interesting. There you go. Ah, okay. Frank Sinatra saying yippee ki motherfucker. Yeah, I think they would have toned it down slightly for him as well. Yeah, uh, then you'd have like Dean Martin as Al Powell, maybe, or Sammy <laughs> Davis Jr. as Al Powell, and Dean Martin as probably the fucking Holly, Holly McLean. Yeah, <laughs> <Ugh, I don't laughs> <know if> <laughs> that movie. So going down the list, we would just put it out there: Bruce Willis, yep. obviously, he's the title character in this. Yep. John McLean, yep. uh, we know him from on our podcast from Doing Die Hard, uh, Last Man Standing. Yeah, been on anything else? 
I don't think so. We've mentioned The Last Boy Scout a few times. We have mentioned The Last Boy Scout. Well, welcome back, Mr. Bruce Willis. So, also returning, uh, we've got Bonnie Belladia. Did I say it right this time? Bedelia. There we go. I near fucked it up somewhere. Uh, Holly McLean. Oh, yeah, as I said, returning from. Uh, as well as that, we also have William Afferton. Afferton? Afferton? Yeah. Afferton? Fuck it. Yeah, over that. Dickless. Uh, Dickless, yes, he stole my joke. Uh, he plays Thornburg. He was in, again, the original movie he played the sort of snooty reporter we also played as the epa is it epa guy yeah uh, he's ghostbusters from the EPA. yeah he's from the epa that's all i know from him and, and also he has no dick <laughs> we also have <laughs> apparently he hated that really uh, p- apparently people would heckle him in the streets oh of course you would so. i mean obviously <laughs> but like 100% you talk you about would. ellis in die hard being a character the way you're like oh he encompasses a piece of shit yeah. Richard Thornburg is the scumbag for that film. Yeah, defo, defo. So Reginald Vell Johnson, it's just all the big names are coming back. So he plays Al yeah. Powell. He's in this movie for all of five seconds. Do you know who? what other movie uh, Reginald Vell Johnson's been in? Uh, he was... What the fuck else has he been in? Ghostbusters, baby. Really? Yeah. When the Ghostbusters get arrested and they're looking at the blueprints that they have in prison inexplicably, Mm. Reginald Vell Johnson, hey, Ghostbusters, the mayor wants to see you. And that's it. Uh, Frankie Nero, do you know that name? Franco Nero. Uh, Oh, Franco Nero, yeah, he's he's the original Django. He is the original Django. Well done. Good knowledge, Craig. Uh, I was wondering if you'd know that because he's very much an Italian actor and he's very much done a lot of Italian uh, movies. So he... Did start coming over to Hollywood a little bit. He plays Espinanza. He is the general in this movie. Kind of mm. a little bit like... Uh, what's his fucking name? Um, you know, yeah, in, in Air Force One. That's the one, yeah. He, yeah. He, he, what's the name of that actor again? Walter Proctor. Oh, fucking... You're on it today, mate. Thank well you, done. Mate. Uh, so, I told you to keep something in your back pocket earlier. So, the general is from Valverde. Oh, fuck it. That's Valverde, it. yeah. Valverde. Valverde. Uh, yeah. The fictitious Latin American country that was also in Commando. Ah, okay. Ah. So this is a secret Commando so, movie, or is Commando a secret Die Hard movie? Well, this is it. So this is very much the, the sort of you know the cinematic universe, the uh, the D'Souza universe, as it was. Ah, the D'Souzaverse. The D'Souzaverse. So the fact that they are you know, from the same country, fictitious country, you could argue then that Commando takes place in the same universe as Die Hard. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I've mentioned it to you before, but there's a Denzel movie called uh, Ricochet, mm. which has the same reporter from Die Hard 1 in it. Like, ah. not the same actress. I mean, it is the same actress, but she's got the same name. She's doing the same job. She's at the same station, I think. Um, so, secret Die Hard movie number two, Commando. Secret Die Hard movie number one, Ricochet. Do you know which other cinematic uh, movie universe slash whatever is not actually in this universe, but is actually... Na- uh, <laughs> National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. Uh, no, it would be Lethal Weapon because that is just a movie. Because as it, we see a poster or an advert for that movie up in the airplane. I have always loved that part. Yeah. So there's a bit where I think the woman, the old lady next to Holly McLean on the plane, she's reading the magazine and you just see Riggs and Murtor. Mm. But also there's a bit where Holly McLean is just leafing through something where on the back it says Nakatomi. 
Yeah, that's it. So and, she has her Nakatomi folder for when she's doing. Yeah, her work. and and this is what I mean when I say like, ah, oh, they nailed what to include and what to like leave out to make the sequel feel like it's in the same world, but not go, huh? Mm. Everyone remember the first film, huh? So you've got um, the cop who says at the beginning, like, I know all about the Nakatomi hero John Wayne bullshit. Yep. and you've got the obviously the Nakatomi thing like I said you've got the two seconds of Al Powell eating Twinkies yes and you've got like ever so maybe one too many references from Bruce Willis being like oh, how did the same shit happen to the same guy twice or yeah um you were the wrong man in the wrong yeah, the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> story of my life it's like <laughs> all right we get it you were in you were in Die Hard but there's just like a hair too many of those if not mm, perfect I, yeah it's very much like hey guys did you see that last movie i was in yeah it was very much stunk of that uh so yeah. moving on uh, william sadler he plays colonel mm. stewart uh, where do we yep. know william sadler from from being in the two bill and ted movies no being in one bill and ted movie excuse me yeah there was only two so and he exactly. was only in one <laughs> yeah uh also play hayward in shawshank uh yeah as you mentioned grim reaper in bill and ted uh, so uh, obviously the famous scene with William Sadler in this, and we'll get this out of the way. Uh, he is doing some Tai Chi in his hotel room, but he's butt naked. <laughs> and when I was a kid, and I watched this film, and it got to that scene, and I was there like, huh? Well, I yeah. guess even people are naked all the time, huh? Yeah, I'm pitching Cause... a tent right now. What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> because, like, you know, again, yeah, let the freak freak flag fr- fly, but like unnecessary. Yeah, slightly unnecessary. So unnecessary I, that but when... it does make up for the unnecessary nudity in Die Hard 1. This is true. Which is just, was... hey, that woman has breasts. Anyway, moving on. Well, yeah, it's a bit of a gender balance now. Um, yeah. But so unnecessary, as you said, that when they came to film, well, wanted to film the scene, uh, William Sadler asked for them to film it last so he could actually get in shape for it. Nice. So that's why he's cool. fucking ripped, and that's why he's so he quick is. with the remote. If you remember, I just remember he that is. he's like, like holsters are fucking. I don't know where he's holding that remote, but he's like fucking pew, and the TV shuts you off, and it's like still got it. And, and to like, my knowledge, he at no point in the film has to do a quick draw McGraw. No, like, I, I, I already have a slight criticism for this movie off the top of my head from what when I remember last watching it, but I think we'll get into it after we come back cool. from it. But there, I, there is a, what you just said sort of leads on to what I want to fucking get out, probably out the gate right. on when we, when we, when we kick off. Uh, John right, Amos. I'm interested. John Amos. Yes, Where John Amos, Mr. Roots himself, Mr. Yes. Will Smith's stepdad in The Fresh Prince. Oh, great reference, mate. I, have, I do have that written down. Speaking of other American TV shows I never watched, uh, Dennis France, uh, he plays Carmine Lozen, Lorenzo? L- Lorenzo, it, yeah. Lorenzo, that's it. Uh, probably best known for NYPD Blue. Did you ever watch that? I, I So I thought I had... But what yeah. I'd done instead was watch Homicide Life on the Street, yeah. which has, man, this is a deep pull from nowhere. It has like the second private investigator from the Big Lebowski, mm. who's just another short, overweight Italian-American. And so I was confident <laughs> watching watch NYPD Blue. I was just being incorrect. Nice. Uh, Dennis France always so plays the, answer, the short answer is no. <laughs> yeah. And so does this other fucking guy that Craig thinks he watched. Uh, so... <laughs> Art Evans, big stretch if you knew that name. He plays Barnes. He's the the engineer that helps Bruce Willis go to the tower 
Um, he was probably for me best known in Ruthless People. Uh, he played Lieutenant Bender uh, with you know Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bill Pullman. Uh, <laughs> are you really the FBI? No, with the NRA. <laughs> Um, so just to get it out the gate now, I'm not going to call him Barnes or his actual name. I'm going to call him Fake Carlton Banks. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think he looks more like Jeffrey. You know, think because of the grey hair. Yeah, there's a little bit. Yeah, fair little, enough. Yeah, I, I'd go for uh, small American Jeffrey. Okay, small, small, a small American small. Jeffrey sounds like a great sandwich. It does. Can I get a small American Jeffrey, please? Uh, two small American Jeffreys over here, thanks. And uh, orange whip, orange whip, orange whip. So yeah, and then I think that's kind of it on the names apart from one mm. which i would feel remiss if we left out adam do you know who the only actor is mm-hmm. who has been killed on screen by the three members founding members of planet hollywood uh i don't like the fact that you've jumped ahead of me but um i would <laughs> feel that probably robert patrick it is robert patrick uh and he has the great line with the swat guy like what are you a sitting duck. Yeah. Um, I'll give out about that scene in a bit. <laughs> understood. Obviously, he plays the T-1000. Mm-hmm. And I can never remember who who he was and when Stallone killed him, but that happened as well. Well, he's been in a Let's few just say things. it was Cobra. Was, I definitely know... Oh, no, wait. No, I, I was going to say, oh, I definitely know a movie he was in, but he was actually... I'm thinking of Last Action Hero, which is on Schwarzenegger. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So not him. As the T-1000. And he's also in Wayne's World as the T-1000. He is. So Wayne's World is part of the Last Action Hero universe? Or is it part of the the Terminator Terminator universe? I think it has to be part of the Terminator universe. Yeah, because Last Action Hero is a messy universe. All right, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, And then you've got some other people going down the list. uh, But there is one name that really stood out on all these. was John Leguizamo. Johnny Legs. Where, when, and how. Exactly. Um, Where the fuck is Johnny Legs in it? But he has a name character called Burke. Now, according to Johnny Legs in his autobiography, his role was intended to be much larger until the filmmakers realised actually how short he is. His part (laughs) was cut down to one line, right, which was then dubbed over by somebody else. (laughs) So, oh, Johnny Legs. Johnny Legs, I know. So, yeah, he got he got done dirty in this movie. When is Burke there? What's is he Burke in the control like, tower? Is mate, who the fuck he, knows? Yeah. We'll have to watch out, see if we can spot it. But um, it is su- it's such a throwaway kind of like it, the yeah, fact it's not it's even a throwaway him. part, like, throwaway. Nah. It's like it's not even him talking. It'll be like a. It's just. But you see his face, hopefully. Maybe I don't know. Uh, so uh, I kind of mentioned that uh, someone else got done dirty uh, Black & Decker they got done dirty uh, they paid for a product placement for their new cordless drill now can you remember right. any part in this movie where there might be a cordless drill is it in the scene with the sitting duck line who knows because it got that's fucking there's, cut from there's the construct- <laughs> oh, right okay okay who fucking Brilliant. knows uh, so Black & Decker were so pissed off that they sued the producers and it's the first time where this has ever happened in a movie where a product has been asked to be placed and paid for and then been taken out of the movie. So it's the first that's... type of this kind of lawsuit. Interesting. That's interesting. Uh, do you know, so, uh, again, final pop quiz uh, before the next one. Mm. There was a famous person in the 80s and 90s who would fund movies under the guise of, like, but give me a cameo role. 
Mm. And they did. The food movies took his money and filmed him saying a line or two and then decided to cut him out of the edit. And it happened time and time again because it wasn't in the contract that they couldn't edit him out. Would you? Do you know who that man is? I want to say that that man is the 45th president, Donald Trump. It is the yeah. 45th president. Which way is the lobby down and on the left himself? Donny T. I can't believe that people cut that out. That's just so like so spiteful, <laughs> so petty to cut that that scene out of a movie. Which hey, is look, it? if Johnny Legs is getting cut, Donald Trump's getting cut. Oh, fair enough. Uh, so with this, uh, with a budget of sixty, about between sixty and seventy, has been estimated this budget. Um, how much do you think it made back at the box office? Two two hundred and eighty million, easy. Not too bad. Uh, two hundred and forty million. Uh, oh, damn, so it's going to go to 250, but... You, that would have been closer. Uh, the film exceeded all expectations, outgrossing the original Die Hard by nearly double. So there you go. Well, yeah, because um, it's got the pre-existing audience, of course. Of course, of course. Um, Roger Ebert, as we remember, was slightly critical of the original movie, but he gave... Uh, so he gave, like obviously, very mixed reviews beforehand, but he described mm. the sequel as being terrific entertainment, despite noting substantial credibility problems with the plot. Okay, fair enough. So I disagree, but well, this one that's okay. This, this is the podcast. That's what we do. <laughs> so with that, should we watch the movie? Absolutely, let's do this. It is movie talk time. Back in the room. Uh, that's two fucking hours. Uh, yeah. That's a fucking long movie. Uh, first thoughts? Uh, it, it's a great movie. First it off, is. it is... And we've said this about Rennie Helen before. Uh, mm. Don't worry about character development or story. <laughs> Just, like, have some action on yeah. a plate. Don't and worry it's... about the context or subject or plot. It. <laughs> you, problem, you're on a ride. The problems arise when they have to do the oh, but it's Die Hard, so there's a twist. Mm. Because obviously yeah. the first one, Hans Gruber is not a terrorist, he is a thief. And that's yes. the twist. And in the third one, he's not seeking revenge on Bruce Willis, he's a thief. Yes. Whereas, and in this one, it's like, John Amos isn't a villain, he isn't a good guy, he is a villain. And mm. it's an absolutely fine twist to go, when, yeah, when you go like, oh yeah, cool, as a kid, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. But then man you just scratch the surface a little bit and go well hold on a second yeah how did they choreograph this to a t they kind of needed john mcclane to be there for this to make sense there's a bit of that and that's that's again it's looking at it with an adult mind and a screenwriter's Mm. mind and going oh now wait a second so i need to shelve that part of my brain and when i do it's great when i do it's just like yippee kaye melon farmers now, with this, this is one of the issues that this movie has. As I've already mentioned that a lot of stuff has been cut from it. Mm. Now, there's a lot of little plot points that kind of go, oh, now that makes sense. And I probably will hit on some of those uh, as we go through. But I feel that slightly pace and editing uh, of this movie sort of does it in a tiny little bit. Because yeah. um, it's quite a long movie, and you're kind of thinking, right, you've got to like now probably shrink it down. So th- you could probably imagine this maybe when it first got uh, shot, maybe like 
220 maybe two and a half hour movie yeah fucking hell like right okay we've got to get this down now obviously it's meant to be the bigger and badder movie but one of the things i think really lets it down is there's no really good villain it's like you've got the fucking general he's a wet blanket yeah you've got saddler who doesn't really do much anyway he's kind of like very much in the background does his like fucking evil shit like crashing the planes and stuff like that mm. and they have a little fucking fight at the end but these are meant to be like hardened fucking commandos and he does away with um uh it's amos isn't it um yeah yeah very very quickly and you kind of go, he doesn't really have that that central villain to work against. It's very divided up with who is the, who is the big bad guy in this movie. Is it that's, Sadler? That's is it the it. general? Is it, is it Amos? No. There's, there, it, and because of that, I feel that you know when this movie loses the die-hardness of it slightly. It's like cause you need John McClane to go head-to-head head with somebody. You know, yeah, so. it's very much die-medium. Yeah, very much. Yeah, I I would say, um, but apart from that, fucking awesome movie. And I can now in my head think why I thought this was the better movie. But yeah. now watching this now, I'm kind of a bit like, oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe, maybe it's Die Hard One. Maybe Die Hard One is the better movie. I don't oh, categorically Die Hard One is the better movie. Yeah. I, I'm not. I mean, I was wrong for years. Um, There's no the Alan Rickman. There's no Alan Rickman. That's that is the that's the secret ingredient. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why Die Hard with Vengeance is so great. Spoiler alert, because Jerry Irons is playing Adam Rickman's brother. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. But Die Hard 1, he's fighting thieves. Yes. yes, there's the big hulking German who's actually Russian and is actually a ballet dancer. Yeah. Whatever. But Hans Gruber is just a dude. Like, he's yeah. just straight up a dude. And John McClane kicking their ass makes sense because he is also just a dude. In this... He's losing. He's sorry. He's destroying trained military men, mm. and he shouldn't be. He absolutely yeah. should. He turns into fucking uh, Deckard at the end of Blade Runner, just <laughs> impervious to pain. And yeah. no, he he should have get, got seven shades of shit knocked out of him. Mm. And it's not as bad as Die Hard Four, which doesn't exist. What are you it's, talking about? Yeah, exactly. It's but. It, it is a big old question mark. Like, yeah, how have you not got hypothermia? Superhuman. Yeah. How are you not getting shot? Uh, how are you when you are getting shot? How is it not taking you out of the game? Like, mm, yeah, there's a massive amount of suspension of disbelief yeah. with yeah. Uh, John McClane's abilities. Yeah, uh, which again, as you said, like if you step left, uh, give a little quick uh, scratch and sniff, it, <laughs> it change, it, you know, it changes up your perception of the movie. Absolutely, and the and the last thing before we kind of go through beat by beat, I think is the constant need to remind the audience that John McClane is funny with mm. ADR'd dialogue. All oh, right, okay, so I can tell you a little bit about this now. Um, okay. So good little segue into that. Thanks, Barry. Um, in the original... uh, just quickly for oh. for a man called Farouk, that wasn't planned. <laughs> uh, so John McClane, oh sorry, well, not John McClane, Bruce Willis, when he was filming the original Die Hard movie, he was ad libbing some lines, and test audiences really liked his um, you know one liners and throwaways and things like that. Now, with that when they came to film the sequel, 
they were like, hey, Bruce, uh, just go for it. Uh, whatever you want to do, if you want to write in jokes, if you want to write in your one-liners and things like that, ad-lib away. And so mm. you had a lot more free reign on this. So this is why some of these even feel like they don't work. Some of them are a bit like, mm, okay, I guess you could say that. Like, But this starts to envelop the trope of, you know, that John McClane, the one-liner. But it's the John McClane one-liner, but it's also, and I mentioned the ADR, because there's no way he's saying some of these lines, or if he is saying them, the 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 sound guy's picking them up so for mm. example when he's going through the luggage carousel bit yeah and he jumps over a barrier and he's a good i don't know 15 feet away from the camera he goes oh what the fuck is this a tag team yeah that one i was like wait what are we doing there's, there's loads of adr one. in this yeah and the other one that really sticks out is when he lands in the parachute after mm. um getting out of the airplane which we'll get to that soon. <laughs> um and he's just there rummaging around going where's the fucking door and it's like you know what bruce willis or adr bruce willis shut up so with that uh, the biggest leap for adr in me was when uh, the reporter is standing in the middle of the fucking crowd and john mcclain's like fucking it seems like 20 feet away mm. And she's like, oh, hey, uh, John McClane, uh, over here. And then it's just like, there is no way anybody yeah. in a million years would ever have heard you say that that, that soft-spoken, hi, I'm over here. And then it oh, was... John John, hey, John. John, I'm actually the uh, pioneer of uh, ASMR. John McClane, hey, <laughs> how you doing? Crinkle, crankle, John McClane. Right, let's knock it up again. Let's get into the plot points. <laughs> All right, Christmas Eve. So this is a, in air quotes, Christmas movie. As you remember elements. from last year, uh, we decided Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. It this isn't. one is. Oh, yeah, this one very much is. <laughs> uh, two years after the events of Die Hard, the original, uh, the Nakatomi Plaza, John McClane is now mm-hmm. a lieutenant with the LA Police Department, and he arrives at Dulles International Airport to pick up his wife, Holly. Now, So he's sold out. He sold out. So, yeah, he, he moved to L.A., uh, which is quite nice. Uh, it's the only movie which he is not a New York cop or an ex-New York is, cop. It is nice, and it's even nicer because everyone goes with Die Hard like, oh, and myself included, oh, so what, the point of the whole movie is that Holly McLean has to change her pathway to suit mm. him? Blah, 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 blah. Actually, he moved. So, John McLean, good guy. Well, she up. seems like the breadwinner. Yeah, you know I mean, she's oh, the I mean, one that's she's obviously absolutely the breadwinner. pulling the, the six figure. Um, mm, 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 mm. Yeah, still isn't earning enough to fly first class, though, is she? There, there's a slight, because I'm going to forget bringing this bit up, there is a slight plot hole in that. It's like, uh, with him being on that plane in the first place, it's like, well, where's he been the whole time? The plane's just about to land, and now he's getting kicked back into economy class. It's like, sorry, sir, you, there is, you can't be in first class. It's like, well, where the fuck's his seat? Has he gone forward then? That's a very good point. You know what? And if he Bad has movie. been returned to his seat, and if that his his seat, then surely he would have looked over at some point and seen Holly there, but they've only just seen each other on a fucking four-hour flight. Five-and-a-half-hour. Five-and-a-half-hour flight, yeah. Fucking, so plot holes be coming already. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but it is nice that he's there. It gives uh, Bonnie Bedelia something to do, a little conflict to overcome. She gets mm. to taser him later on, which is great. It is true. And you get, uh, because we keep coming cutting back to the airplane, you get a sweet little cameo from The Simpsons. You do. I was going to bring that up, uh, but let, let, we'll get to that point. Cause but we're do you know about... which episode of The Simpsons it is? 
Is it? It's not the first ever. It's not the first episode. No, is no, it? no. It's it's the episode. It's the, Marv, it's the Marvin Monroe. Which uh, what do they do in that episode? Uh, they do the family therapy. The electric. Which they end up electric shocking each other. Oh, doesn't Holly McLean electric shock Richard Thornburg? Yes, she does. That's a bit of a reach. Subtlety. But I like it. Subtlety. <laughs> Uh, so we get to see some, uh, I think, some good background character development in this, uh, even just this opening bit. So you have John McClane. He's there to pick up his wife, so he's been a very good husband, but he hates his fucking mother-in-law. He's driving her car, and then with that, the car is being impounded. Probably for the fact that you've parked it right at the fucking entrance. Uh, so yeah. I have no sympathy for you for the getting towed. But also as well, he does try to do the whole like, oh, come on, it's Christmas, oh, it's my mother-in-law. And then he goes for the, oh, by the way, I'm a cop. Yeah. And then the guy's like, oh, go fuck yourself. And I'm like, too right. And you know what? <laughs> Absolutely. Bang on. I can't remember what else I've seen that guy. And I think he might be Joey's dad in Friends. Yeah, he kind of, he, he kind of, he's like, that's like Newman character, isn't he? He's kind of got that kind of stature about yeah, him. Yeah, it's yeah. like, if, 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 if Newman was... There you'd be like, oh, it's it, all, all it's all the same. Man, I'd love to see uh, Wayne Knight in a Die Hard movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> a plane carrying corrupt foreign military leader General Ramon uh, Ramon, if I could, Espinanza, mm-hmm. is also headed to Dallas, not Dallas, under extradition for using U.S. funds to buy drugs. Naughty man. Mm. Waiting to meet Esperanza's plane is disgraced former. Colonel William Stewart and a group of ex-military sympathisers who supported Espinanza's actions. Right. So, as so, we've already said, we've seen naked William Sadler, uh, and then we had this really weird choreographed exiting of hotel rooms. Yeah, what have they got in those Christmas present boxes? Who knows? Because but in a you... scene later on, you see one of them slide under the table to the other one. It's like, A, why didn't he just have that to begin with? B, yeah. why did you do the switch over in person? And yeah. C, if it's the C4 that you're about to set up in the church, maybe yeah. just wait before going to the bar. <laughs> like, go straight from hotel room to yeah. church, not via bar. It doesn't make sense. Let's go to this huge I... public space and commit crime. Yeah, it feels like they're um, maybe scoping out the security. But if that's the case, maybe. don't carry the indiscreet package... That is, I think, definitely C4. It's very much shifty dog eyes, isn't it, as well? It's it very is like, shifty dog eyes. Very, very shifty dog eyes. Uh, now, did you, I've, oh, I was going to say, I, I'll let you jump in, but did you notice that when the black guy picks up the present, uh, his hand turns to white? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. bit of continuity error to going on there. I can't believe I didn't notice the hand. i um, tell you what, as we go throughout this movie, there's a lot of these, uh, that's not Bruce Willis, that's not that actor. Oh, the, yeah, 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 there's, there's a lot of uh, switching out stuntmen and uh, also dummies as well, which we'll get into. Yeah, but like, and some questionable CGI. <laughs> um, but this, so Die Hard 2, obviously, is Die Hard, Die Harder. one of those. Die Harder, but it's also Air Force One. Yes. And I know Air Force One came afterwards, but it's also Air Force One. Yes. And it's also um, the film Extreme Prejudice. Yes. Which is a remake of The Wild Bunch, where they're all ex-military personnel who have faked their own death so that they can mm. bankrupt or something. It's like a wonderful concoction of like the best parts of all of these films. It doesn't fully work because of reasons we'll get to and reasons we've already got to. But yeah, I was getting Extreme Prejudice vibes. Yeah. And and kind of um, 
is it airport airport 77 yes like those disaster movie vibes so yeah it was a whole melee of stuff Mm, good shout uh, so with this, obviously, we have Bruce Willis sitting in the cafe minding his own business, and he becomes very, very suspicious of the of Stuart's men, and he follows them into restrictive bagging sorting area where a gunfight ensues. McLean kills one of them, but the other escapes. Yeah, uh, a couple of quippy lines like, "Hey, where's your where's your badge?" On its way to Cleveland, it's like you know what? You don't need the badge because the janitor who saw your badge is stood right next to the cop. There's a bit of that. Smiling. He's smiling. He's looking at Bruce Willis like, hey, 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 hey. It's like, no, no, dude. You're the one that let him in here. Yeah, I was... I, I was going to say, mm. this sort of leading into the idea of how incompetent these fuck, a lot of these people are. Mm. Um, well, you've had, like, yeah, two fucking ex-Special Forces guy go toe-to-toe with a fucking L.A. police officer. And yeah. you can kind of see what LA police does to you because then you see what, like, a Sergeant Al Powell's like. <laughs> you know, he's just sat at his desk eating Twinkies. Now, sure. with that, you also have these other fucking police officers that are coming through and then wheeling out dead body in front of all these reporters who I think are they're there because of the Esperanza coming in. Yeah. And then he's like, John McClane's like, hey, it's a fucking crime scene. It's like, yeah, it, it is. Um, but also as well, I can imagine that all that shit that's just happened there, you know, that's like long gone. It's like, you know, you, you fucking killed, smashed someone's brains out on top of a suitcase. I'm pretty sure that suitcase is now fucking railed through into someone's, you know, flight to fucking Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. That, that was a hardcore death, though. I did enjoy the putting someone's head and body underneath a machine that is what designed to fucking flatten suitcases yeah a bit weirdly i didn't know that was a fucking thing apparently it i is. didn't know that was a thing it's really made me question the the word fragile on certain boxes <laughs> um but we do get the annoying thing and i know that you'll defend it but where everything around bruce willis gets shot up to and including the um spray can of deodorant that he uses yeah, that's like now shot right out of his hand. Shot out of his hand by a military professional, which if he had time to line up that shot, he had time just to pop Bruce Willis in the skull. I think that the shooting of the cans, like, I want to say more accidental, but at the same time, it's quite a, a finesse shot to to hit. Yeah. Secondly, as well, you are right. Uh, why are these men spraying? Uh, like it, it's one of these. It's one of these tropes where they just like unload a fucking clip into somebody and just go, and then you're just like, right, you've just emptied your clip. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like uh, I, it, I can understand the vampire hunters from Vampires doing this, mm. but not trained military personnel who have orchestrated this plan for years. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, when, when you have a magazine, you'll, you'll count the bullets you're firing. Yeah. So yeah. It, when you when you fucking spray like that, like it, it's very hard to, to count. Yeah. Um, but this is why, you know, most people in any kind of engagement will fire a single shot unless you're suppressing. When you're suppressing, yeah, yeah. then you just like fucking go for it. Like, blah, 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 blah. But so it always it always dumbfounds me a little bit when they're in quite confined space and then it's just like right mm. I'm just going to let rip and then just shoot a fucking outline around you like it's Pulp Fiction. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, can I say the other thing that I, again this scene and other scenes, but this scene in particular is guilty of. 
is um, someone didn't slap the sound designer on the wrist. It happens a few times, but in this scene in particular, Bruce Willis is chasing after someone and mm. lets his presence be known by screaming or cocking a gun oh, yeah. or some, sort of, some such whatever. Of course. And in this scene, uh, he uh, rings the bell on a bicycle. <laughs> he does. <laughs> To let the bad guy know that he's about to jump on him. It's like, no! Yeah. Come on, sound designer. What are you doing? Not only the sound designer, but also the uh, sound engineer who's on set. Because there's a, quite a few scenes where the boom mic is visible. Oh, I've never noticed, but I'll oh, have to yeah. look out for it next year. Um, no, so I'll tell you when it happens, because we're not going to bring it up. Um, but mm. it's the bit where they're going up into the air control tower. Mm. And where... Um, what's his fucking uh, Dennis France and the air traffic control guy are kind of going back and forth a little bit like there's all this activity da, 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 mm. da, big fuck off boom mic that's that's one of the scenes that's a shame <laughs> yeah, it's like a little shame one of the things I also hate in tropes in movies is like the protagonist who is a cop kind of just fucks off procedure and policy to go speak to the captain who doesn't give a fuck about anything that this person's got to say? So yeah. it's like, oh right, yeah, this fucking uh, this guy died in my terminal, but uh, you know what I've got coming in? I've got a fucking reindeer coming in from somewhere, and yeah. I just be like, oh, John McLean coming here with a stick up his ass from the <laughs> Nakatomi Plaza. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's... It's the dick swing, which is it comes across as so unnecessary, considering how grave the what's just transpired. And, and he never learns. Like, okay, Dennis yeah. Franz, at the end of the film, has a moment, or he has two moments where you're like, oh, you were just a good guy overall. Yeah. But even when, like, John McClane's killed six bad guys later <laughs> on, he's like... Oh, that'd be fucking good if we knew they had ten of them. But if they've got fifty, it don't mean jack shit. It's like shut, shush. Yeah, shut the front door. Um, Yeah. But also, I, you know, we're talking about terrible lines when McLean's leaving and he's like, "Hey, Lorenzo, what sets (laughs) off the uh, fucking metal detector? The lead in your ass or the shit in your brains?" And they'd be like, "Mm, "The lead." Fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, just, uh, just quickly, John. Um, it would be the metal. Yes. Yeah, metal, dumb fuck. Um, also, speaking of metal detectors, fucking John McClane talks about the Glock seventeen, right? Mm. And he says that oh, these are made of like plastic or porcelain or some shit, which yeah. isn't true. Um, the thing is, even if you were carrying in a fucking plastic gun, the bullets would still be fucking metal. Yeah. And it's like, also, they're not going through metal. This is like, yeah. as we mentioned, this film was 1990. It was 11 years before anybody was really caring too much about net metal detectors, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and they aren't getting on flights. Yeah. They're, they're not. They're not. They're not crossing over into international territory. They are true. chilling at the bar or at the church. Like, yeah. it's it's irrelevant what they're carrying. It is very, very good point there, Craig. Um, but also, it is the fucking 90s. So this is before 9-11. So you could fucking walk on... <laughs> you, you can walk on the plane... I, tra- I did with it a subtly, fucking, yeah, sure. You can walk on the plane with a fucking taser, Craig. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the fact that she whips that out in front of fucking everyone on the plane, like, hey, I've got this fucking thing that I zap my fucking dog with. And oh, you're yeah. just like, oh, okay, well, that's just a thing. Uh, that Can just we happens. talk about that old lady for just a second? Oh, go on then. Let's hear it. Because there is potential that she is the biggest villain of the movie. 
<laughs> I admit that she's not trying to save a communist dictator and at no point is she in a turncoat to the American military. But she got a taser and zapped her dog with it. Yeah, I, I like how she fucking interjected herself as well. So Ho- Holly McLean's on the phone to uh, Bruce Willis. And this is a payphone. Again, if you wanted to know what the 90s are like, kids. You know, you had to pay money to fucking call people. Mm. And they have airplane phones, if you didn't know, John. You know, like yeah. technology, airplane phones. And you're like, when have you ever seen a fucking airplane phone? When have you ever been on a fucking flight and been like, oh, there's a fucking phone here? I've never um, fucking seen one. I have. You have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too long ago. But again, it wasn't like... It wasn't a big deal. It was just like the handset... Like, the handset became almost like a, a an old-school Mega Drive controller type deal. And you could oh, yeah. plug in your headphones to the screen. But there wasn't yes. a, like, one through nine hash key punch in the yeah, keys situation. Yeah, that's what I mean. Situation. That's like, what fucking plane are you flying? Like, yeah. I, I've bear in mind, obviously, I know we always get the fucking cheap shit whenever we go anyway it's like you know, easy jet <laughs> yeah. Ryanair and all that fucking crap uh, you're barely getting a seat that line of fucking phone um, but uh, can I just say it wouldn't be Christmas without us mentioning uh, disgraced journalist Mike Sheen <laughs> and the best flight that I think you and I missed where he nearly didn't get on and the picture well, we had was... looking like the grumpiest man in the world I, I understand why he'd be grumpy um so this was when we went to Switzerland and we managed to get on the flight before everybody else. Yeah. Oh, on. sorry. Yes, of course. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course it's the Switzerland flight. It's I Switzerland was doing flight. a segue into the uh, Dublin flight. Oh, uh, there's been apologies. many times where Mike Sheen's been miserable getting on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's... I've watched this film a lot and since I was a kid, but since that Dublin flight, I felt nothing but sympathy for everyone at these airports because, mm. and I'm sorry, I got this flights confused, but um, we oh, were yeah. on our way to Dublin for two days, one night, potentially. Or yeah, it's it like a five nights? hour fucking delay in Gatwick It Airport. was longer than that. So I missed the train from Clapham. Oh, yeah. I oh, you did, yeah. I got, and you still yeah, made I got it. gin drunk the night before. And and I arrived, I think, maybe 30 minutes before our flight was due. Yeah. I packed myself a passport, a jumper, um, and an extra pair of socks. Nothing else. Yeah. And then we had a six-hour wait, I want to say, yeah. in uh, Gatwick Airport. Yeah. Man, oh, man. You saw friendships start to fucking <laughs> fall apart at the seams. We've already spent way too much time together. Like, but absolutely 100% that flight that that it was saved by you yeah by sending the best photo you've ever sent oh yeah which so is an that outline of our friend Ben Smalley looking like Alfred Hitchcock yeah that definitely raised raised some spirits that um <laughs> i do remember that because i feel it started deteriorating because Farouk started getting quite drunk in the weather Sabine's bar while we were still waiting for our flight and well, it was we getting... got we got kicked out like... of the Weatherspoons for playing uh, either Fingers High, Fingers Low oh, or that was something else. Um, of course, there's nothing, bringing it back to Mike Sheen, there's nothing I find more entertaining than when he starts getting flustered and annoyed. Oh, yeah. Because 100%. everything, everything becomes like a world ending crisis for him. Yeah, he always and has so, an opinion. Yeah. Is, which and he doesn't it, keep himself. <laughs> it's obviously because I'm there being, having a nice Guinness and enjoying whatever the croissant that I bought or some shit. Mm. And um, he's there just being like, 
why the fuck do they make the glasses so cold in these parts anyway? And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. He's on one. Let's everyone poke the bear. And so there's 20 plus of us just gently finding ways to just tease out of him more and more rage. Oh, man, it was great. Yeah, I, I, can, I, can I just uh, circle back to the fact that you rocked up what, with a pair of socks and a jumper? Yeah. Uh, because there, there's an unwritten rule that me and, me and Del have whenever we go anywhere, even if it's like for two days, we'd probably have to pack at least six pairs of underwear just for the, <laughs> just for the simple, uh, you know, the, the idea that you would like, and it would never happen, but it could happen of like you shitting yourself somewhere and then not having a spare pair of underwear. And but the fact- my theory was I'm in an airport so I can buy buy things that I need. And yeah. then I'm in Dublin, so I can buy things that I need. It's not like we went to a cottage in the Midlands, like, or any or anywhere else that doesn't sell underwear. Um, <laughs> I, I was just in a hurry, getting calls from the other Adam. Get where the fuck are you? Where the fuck are you? Oh, what minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then booking it to Glastonbury, uh, booking it to Gatwick as fast as I could. You did well to get there. Like, I did. I did do well. I just once I realised, like, oh, it, we're delayed by five hours. Like, fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, good trip. So we kind of mentioned here that uh, McLean's obviously reporting his concerns to Lorenzo and air traffic controller did, uh, but neither of them believe him. Uh, but they are then convinced when Stuart and his men, who are now operating out of a church on the outskirts of the airport, cut all communications with incoming airplanes, disabling all the runway lights, and demand that Esperanza's plane be allowed to land, with, land without interference. Now, great. Why is this a problem? uh for planes planes uh just in general what 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 might sort of jump out at you here that uh they've just cut all communication with the planes uh well i'd imagine that planes need constant communications if they're flying in mm. uh i i mean i'm basing this all on having seen the movie pushing tin yeah. but i thought planes had constant communication once they're on the flight path in with air, air traffic control yeah now so where did they cut the communications from uh, they cut them from the church. The church. For the fucking air tower. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So the air tower, the, the airport. Now, there's a fucking uh, phone up in the plane. There, yeah. So this this is, no, I, I'm trying to find reasons out of it. As I was watching, <laughs> I was like, why is no one just, and maybe it's my uh, ignorance as to how a, a pager works. But Holly yeah. McLean at the beginning of the film pages John and he phones that number back. Is that number then gone forever? I don't think so. Uh, that's, I don't think that's how pages work. No, because um, I thought the page, you could just look and be like, who last paged you? Mm. You phone that number back, like, hey, Holly, uh, find the captain now, PS, yeah. reroute to Washington International or yeah. wherever. So this is the thing. So, like, why couldn't they just pick up the fucking phone and call anybody else, like, within, you know, like, uh, f- fucking, like, 50 miles or whatever and be like, hey, by the way, uh, our radio tower's out. Mm. Uh, can you fucking? Oh, can yeah? Can you sing, let them know like, don't land, don't crash, yeah. uh, or reroute yeah. or something? Yeah. By yeah, the way, absolutely. By, yeah. By the way, there's a uh, terrorist shit going on. Can you contact the planes for us? All no, right. Yeah. All right. Cheers, yeah. mate. Bye. All right. Circumvent that. Don't <laughs> land. Don't like the radio towers out. Of comms. So any comms that you hear might be somebody trying to interfere with. You know. It's just that uh, it's straight away circumvents any sort of threat of the terrorist, and you kind of yeah. just go, okay. That's why you could never make this film nowadays. Because like, yeah. oh, we've cut off all communicate. Well, I've just Snapchatted them actually. 
Yeah. Uh, I've tweeted them. I've t- uh, TikToked them. I've subscribed to their Patreon. They will not be uh, crashing the plane anytime soon. The invention of phones kind of killed a lot of the suspense of cinema. There, there is a bit of that, but then this is the other thing that kind of I don't get about it because Trendo then orders all the air traffic controllers to have all the planes in Dallas airspace hold in the air. So yeah, if you're going to order them to hold, it's like no, no, order them to reroute. Yeah, either reroute. And I, I know there's this whole like, oh, we've only got so much fuel and all this sort of like, all this sort of shit. But it's it's in Washington D.C. and I'm pretty sure Dallas Airport is not the main airport in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> it's t- the distance between Dallas International Airport yeah. and Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport. Yeah. 29 miles <laughs> 29 miles there you go so, it's a 36 minute drive but there's How? one line he says in it where he's like oh the, the plane's going to be dropping out the sky onto the White House lawn and I'm yeah. like mm, no they won't uh, <laughs> no. because there's nowhere near the fucking White House well no it's, 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 a, it's a movie line it's like Gatwick Airport being like oh they're going to crash into Buckingham Palace it's like well no but okay we're in London yeah, alright not, <laughs> no, not really um, but 29 yeah. miles don't go into something if you don't know. Don't, you don't open your mouth till you know what the shot is. Fucking, like, if you're saying like, uh, find a better reason that they didn't just reroute to another airport. Yeah. Not, oh well, we've told them to hold their hold their pattern. Why? Why? Why have you hold? Tell them to go to a different place. Fucking Dallas Airport is closed today. Yeah. What What would make more sense for me? I don't know if this even would happen. Um, is to just have the terrorists pretending they're the planes. And then have the terrorists also then pretend to the planes that they're the air traffic controllers and then not let them know who's who. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, hey, like, uh, flight, da 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 like, and the intercept that comes, be like, oh, yes, like, that's fine, that's fine, we're going to hold here. And then you can even have, like, you know, sort of like terrorist activity come on and then all of them communicate to the planes that, oh, by the way, there's the terrorist activity, don't land. Yeah. And then you can just have the terrorists be like, yeah, yeah, cool, we got that, blah, 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 blah. But you've also, you've got all this C4, right? They put it in the church. Yeah. And the only reason, I think, that they keep the planes above is so that john mcclain's got personal stakes in the whole thing fine whatever uh from the movie perspective not from the, the movie perspective, perspective yeah. yeah yeah from the movie's perspective from the writer's perspective but you remember at the beginning of the rock when ed harris is like hey girls um you you go home now like mm. get get off the rock yeah um if william sadler was like hey every plane don't land at dulles but people who control dulles we have um strapped the whole place with explosives everyone leaves if anyone enters uh if you inform the authorities we're going to blow up all of your terminals we just want esperanza yeah it gives william sadler a bit of a heart that he's saving all the people in the air but also it makes more goddamn sense that they're not using that they're not keeping the planes up in the air um, yeah i get what you're then, saying then the personal stakes can just be um potential bombs at the airport mm Again, it's 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 a different movie because then John McClane's got no personal stakes to it, and they need the Bonnie Bedelia element. Mm. But twenty nine miles, you know. Uh, so, Chief Airport Engineer Leslie Barnes decides to try using an unfinished antenna array to communicate with the airplane circling the airport. The Skywalk. The Skywalk. There's your Skywalk. There's your Skywalk. Uh, Carmine sends an airport SWAT team with him, but Stuart's men kill them, all except for Barnes, who's saved by McLean. All right, uh, here we go. 
Right, so this is probably the worst SWAT team in the fucking world. Yeah. Right? Because um, there's a there's a few deleted scenes because you're kind of wondering like, oh, uh, how did fucking T one thousand and all the other guys get there and dress up and fucking they're all painting up and um, well they actually got there a few minutes beforehand and killed all the workers and then stole their clothes, but obviously that's all cut out. Now the thing is, it they're you're watching the SWAT team enter into a potential hostile environment and a potential hostile environment because they know there's terrorists around and they know those things are happening and they're there solely to protect barns, aren't they? So yeah. why then are you walking through a in single file like that? Uh, you're walking onto an escalator, which is very much what we'd call like a, a kill a zone. neck, yeah. Yeah, so you, you'd be like, you're, you're kind of trapped within a very confined space, which you wouldn't want. So what would happen is that they would come into an area like that, they would sweep and stick to the walls, and then anybody that was there, like a worker, they would process them one by one to make sure that they were who a who they were, and then ask them to leave the area. They wouldn't just at like, what point would they give the ocular pat down? Uh, they're giving the ocular pat down fucking twenty four seven, mate. Great, That's, this nice. is a thing. So the fact that they're just nonchalantly going, <laughs> hey, uh, I was using that fucking escalator because I'm a lazy cunt. Uh, can you switch that back on for me? And then yeah. it's like, who do you think you know? Like, and then it's the oh, what's what's the line again? Line. Uh, hey, what do I look like to you? A sitting duck. Yeah, and then bam. And then when they're all fighting, they're like, uh, they're hiding behind, uh, you know, like blockades. They're hiding behind like barriers. And, and then let me just stand up like in full view and then swing my gun around yeah. and then let you shoot me. And it's just like, what? Like, and it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you all deserve to die. You know what I mean, it's a, it's an unfortunate series of decisions here, but you're all fucking dead. Yeah. And if this is what the the like the um, the the tactical team is, is doing, fuck me. No wonder the cops are so fucking incompetent. You know but this mean? is this is a running theme in Die Hard movies where you've Die Hard one. You've got the SWAT team running in two by two cover formation. Yeah. Uh, send in the car. Send in the car. And one of the SWAT team is running along and gets his hand, like, stabbed by a thorn bush. He goes, ooh, ow! <laughs> and they get taken out by uh, Endo from Lethal Weapon. Yep. And that's the whole idea of, like, Reagan's 80s. Amer- oh, that's why they wouldn't reroute to uh, 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 to Ray- Ronald Reagan. It's the 90s. They weren't allowed to talk about him anymore. Yeah. Um, but no, that, that was the whole thing of Reagan's america it was the everyman mm. coming in and kicking ass and so and the swat team pff, swat team bureaucracy <laughs> we don't need that we just need average joe america standing up for himself yeah. and yeah that's diehard does that really well where it's like we don't need tacticals we just need this schlubby fuck to save the day well it does it so well because uh, john mcclain jumps like what seems like 20 feet out the air from a fucking air vent Yo, uh, yeah, he, he compromises his uh, tactical advantage of being up high straight yeah. away. Uh, drops down, manages to fucking kill all these other fucking ex-commandos. But one of the things I found was really funny is, uh, again, when the scaffolding falls down on that dude, mm. it's like, you know, you remember when we watched uh, Broken Arrow and yeah. you, that, that split kind of like, oh, that's a dummy of John Travolta yeah. getting fired up. It's like, 
if that was like a split second where you see it's a dummy mm. in this movie it's like five and <laughs> five minutes yeah. you know i mean it's like fucking timber and you're just like well that's no, a fucking <laughs> d- fucking dummy like <laughs> so yeah. so so badly edited that yeah um, and also the the thing is for again he's a trained military man yeah so he knows how to do a, a burpee yeah uh or a quick turkish get up i'm sure and this thing is just falling again. We've talked about it all the time. The Austin Powers slow mobile. Like, no, move, bloody move! <laughs> it's like, ah, almost like Bill and Ted falling to hell. And it's like, dude, just roll, just yeah. come, your commando yeah, cowboy roll, roll. cowboy roll, kipper, hand on like, hat, roll. Try forward. something. Don't just accept death. Yeah, and the other thing as well, which I didn't get, is. Um... So T-1000 comes from behind, puts the gun to buttons. It's like, you didn't have a problem, like, fucking shooting the SWAT guy straight away, like, yeah. or at least giving a little funny line. So why have you then had to run up and press the fucking gun against Barnes and then hold there for fucking what seems like five seconds? Yeah. Enough time for, obviously, John McClane to bust through and save the day. <laughs> He's a bit like, meh. Like, at least... In a writing perspective, I would be like, hey, like, give me your radio. Give me your, like, have that reason for that pause. I have dialogue. It's like, hey, uh, give me that and and give me the code for the antenna. You know what I mean? Have a reason why there would be, like, a pause. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Then we get the kind of, one of the more famous kills in Die Hard is the, hey, asshole, we've run out of table um, (laughs) scene. Yeah. And this cribs on that entirely. Mm, a little bit, yeah. The ah, oh, I could kill you, but I'm gonna say a line and give you a chance to shoot me. Yeah. So in this is, I'm gonna fuck you up, and then Bruce Willis um turns on oh. the escalator to grab the gun. Yeah. Whilst trapped is, under scaffolding. Is this this is the guy who uh, has a jammed uh like it looks like a, a heckler, but it could be like something else. But is this the guy with a jammed gun? Mm, yeah, I thought he was out of bullets, but yeah. Right, right, it's a jam gun. Okay, that that's not scripted. Oh right, that apparently that prop gun kept fucking jamming the whole time. So that nice. that scene where he like he tries to like um, he, he tries to unjam it and then throws it away in frustration. That's real. Nice. Okay, I really like that. And they that. kept it in. But then John McClane manages to like turn on the escalator. Uh, uh, yeah, escalator. Yeah. Travelator, whatever you call it. And grab his gun. This guy takes forever to run. Yeah. Or hey, duck ex, or like, something. Ex-Special Commando. Fucking out of breath. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when you know it, the Skywalk gets blown up anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that, that's it's one of these things that I always feel like in this movie is a lot of inconsequential stuff happens because it's like, oh, we're going to go to that, but that's blown up. Oh, fuck it. Well, we'll go here now. And oh, that's, that's fucking blown up. blown up. Yeah. Oh, it's, fuck it. It's, right. Is the Rennie Harlan, like, how much shit can I blow up mm, method? Definitely. Uh, fun fact about the Skywalk. They were originally going to call it the Star Kill, but then changed it at the last <laughs> second. I, I like what you did there. Thank you. Thank That's you. Right. I got that reference. Yes. Uh, in retaliation, uh, Stuart crashes a British airplane by pretending to be the air traffic controller. Now, with this, how does he do this, Craig? Well, first off, he talks to Cole Meany. Cole Meany is in this movie for a hot second, and he has the line, where the bloody hell have you been? Because uh, they couldn't <laughs> potato just keep man. Irish. Yeah. Potato uh, man. Potato man. Uh, so what he does is he rebalances the 
boopity-boo, so the plane thinks that it's 200 feet higher than it actually is, yeah, and because they're looking at the boobity-boo, they, uh, so, they, they crash like a motherfucker. So they raise the sea level by 200 feet or something like that. Sure. And, uh, now, is that get... a thing that you can do? Nope. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And But we do get the great line of like, don't worry, we're like British Rail. We may take our time, but we get you there. And it's like, all right, British travel isn't amazing on the best of days, but fuck you, Rennie Harlan. <laughs> but also, do you like how they um, they try to make it so British that they've kind of messed up slightly because they're like, we're running on petrol fumes. And it's like, yeah. um, you're you're an airplane, you're, you're an airline pilot, you know that it's not fucking petrol. But then we've got the kids running around the stewardess be like, now, now, back to your seats, that's right. Don't <laughs> worry, this is fine. Jolly good, pop you on the noggin. And man, oh man, it's the most British scene you'll ever see. Because, yeah. like, no one, again, no one's particularly doing anything like wearing a bowler hat or eating a cucumber <laughs> sandwich. But everyone's like, oh, come along, mother. Oh, hello. What? It was... Yeah, I I feel though that because they're British, their lives matter more. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's just one of those things where it's the nineties, where it's like we really need to like tug on the heartstrings about how bad this situation is. Let's have a load of British children get fucking killed right now. It's like oh. That's horrible. Not the British children. They're so lovely. See, you know I, I, mean? I feel like that could be correct, but I feel like it's taken a turn now to where I'm just like, yeah, fuck it, kill them, they're British. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> and any other... Oh, no, not the French. So, uh, with this, uh, once Espinanza's plane lands, McLean wounds Espinanza uh, before Stuart and his men arrive. They blow up the plane and take Espinanza to the church, but fail to kill McLean. Craig, yeah. how long is the fuse on the grenade? Okay, wow. Okay, we've got there. Bruce Willis punches out Espinanza and uh, freedom. Psh, not yet. Like, uh, all right. That was that was a good one. Yeah, Bruce. I like that. Good one. Then he shoots him in the arm. Yeah. From about three feet away, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what? How do you miss? You're Bruce Willis. Yeah. You're John McClane. Like, you popped that guy in the forehead with the second to last bullet in Die Hard One yeah. from a good twenty feet." Now you're missing Espinanza's entire body. Well, you got his arm, but I suppose not... Bruce Willis is a little. Uh, I know it's like it's it's two years later. He's probably still suffering from injuries from last last movie, and oh, now he's, he's, oh, he's having no, a few. Have him... Here it is. Here it is. Goddamn frostbite. Oh, there you go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Boom. Thank you. Uh, also like the fact of him trying to climb out the grate in the floor. Obviously trying to come oh. up onto the runway to see the plane coming at him. And then keeps on climbing instead of just ducking down and waiting. Thank you, a hundred percent. Like, why? Like, because he, I, I, I know maybe he's like there is some time, yes, and some urgency to get out as quickly as possible so that you can get to the plane before anybody else. But, but at the same still. time, it's like risking your life getting out that great. It's like it looks fucking heavy. He, he sold it well. It, it, yeah. Like it's great acting. It's just stupid. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so, um, so the original question was, Craig, how yes. long is the fuse on a grenade? On average. Well, that's just uh, uh, I, I would guess three seconds. It's something like that. It's like it's it's about three or five seconds. Now, why most of the time would you want a grenade to actually have a relatively short fuse? So they can't throw it back. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right. The same. <laughs> So when they uh, Bruce Willis locks himself in the fucking cockpit and he's he, he's being shot out from outside through through the windows, um, mm. 
Now, they start throwing grenades in through the window. So if Bruce Willis wanted to, he probably could chuck him back. Yeah. Why didn't they just then throw the grenades into the airplane through the door? Yeah. If it was going to blow up and have that same effect. So, I have a few points on that. Okay. A, don't know. <laughs> B, what if, and I, I'm, I'm reaching, but what if only the last grenade thrown had its pin pulled? You'd have to rely on a number of things. A, grenades exploding, which they don't. Yep. <laughs> they don't in, engulf in huge fireballs. They create, um, they, they essentially just create huge amounts of like compression yeah. Like that. and that's why grenades are so more effective in confined spaces than they are in, in open spaces yeah now second it's like you then have to rely on the grenade then detonating other grenades yeah whether that would happen or not would be something else to see um, now okay so taking that into account and again i know we're stuck on a finicky point here but yeah. what if they missed the fucking window <laughs> Now this, this is another question, Craig, because they are fucking giving the old Steph Curry through oh, the fucking window, nothing but net. crushing it every yeah. time. Which is why I think maybe it was just the last one that was throwing that had its pimple, thus defying the fake movie logic. But mm. the only movie logic we have to kind of get on board with is that grenades explode other grenades and therefore grenades explode. Yeah. As opposed to, oh shit, sorry William Sadler, I missed. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Um, I like your thinking. Um, I'm 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 pitching that, but it gets the sweet like pull the ejector seat. No, uh, no need to chase after him. For some reason, the fire engines are on the way. Escape. Yeah. Oh, oh no, fire engines are here. You better get out of here. Um, yeah, we've killed every other. <laughs> we kill SWAT uh, teams, but firemen. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh no, they've got that hose. Quick, get out of here. Um. <laughs> um and also, he's flying through the air in a parachute. Like, you're trained military men. Shoot him. Uh, I suppose that might be quite hard to shoot. Um, try. Try. It goes against the Geneva Convention as well, Craig, to shoot down anybody that's parachuting. Ah, okay. Well... I think it's a Geneva Convention. It's something. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a war crime. Yeah, so, the, look, we, we're kind of trickling along now. The Marines get called in, and mm-hmm. John Amos... Yeah, and they find the church. But uh, Bruce Willis and Barnes, which is fake Carlton Banks or fake Jeffrey. Yep, fake little Jeffrey. Um, they find the church because all of the coordinates like cross over at the base of the church or something. So they go there, and we get the best death of this movie. Oh, what the the icicle. Icicle in the eye. The Icicle eye in the eye. Sickle. With this, I felt a bit weird actually because Espinanz is a little bit like, oh, uh, what's going on here, sort of thing. Like, uh, it feels like he doesn't really know the plan or he's not sticking to it. Whereas Sadler's yeah. like got this really like orchestrated, like everything has to happen and go right for this all to fucking kick off. Yeah, it ties into what you're saying. Like, who's the villain? If Espinanz, like, uh, again, Air Force One, Walter Prucknell, he's not part of the takeover of air force one no the whole i'm not even sure if he knows that it's happening it's yeah. never said yes or no so it's irrelevant how much screen time he gets how many lines he gets whereas Espinanza feels like he needs to be in on this yeah because uh, well at a certain point he says like am i expecting any more hiccups or some some mm. line like that and it's like how did they tell you 
Yeah. How did they tell you what the plan was without one of the guards listening in? Yeah, how do you not know that Major Grant's not in this? Wouldn't you think that Sadler would have said, hey, don't worry, we've got this contingency or something like that? Yeah. And Uh, it's, again, don't worry about story. It's all good action set pieces. Yeah, so within this fight, uh, McLean actually ends up killing one of Stuart's men and gives chase with um, with his gun. But all the men escape on uh, snowmobiles, which is pretty cool. Uh, I do like the skidoos, yeah. Yeah, so uh, confused as to why he failed to wound uh, anyone else, uh, McLean realises that the gun was firing blanks, meaning that Grant's mm-hmm. team is cooperating with Stuart's. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, so <clears throat> we'll get to what that leads to in a second. We should mention, and we don't need to give it much airtime. Yeah. Uh, Dickless is up in the airplane uh, reporting on the story. Yes. And Holly McLean sees this as justifiable reasons. Oh, this man's doing his job. Yeah. Best shock him with a taser. I get why you punched him in that first film. Yes. 100%. But in this, he's literally just reporting on a crisis. It's not putting you or John or anyone else in any personal danger. Well, I, I know she wouldn't know. But obviously, I think the idea of any attention brought to this incident, then they were going to start crashing planes. But how would you even know that being up on the plane? I, don't, I think but that's it. Yeah. It and does. also, they, they, they can't crash the plane because they changed the signal from a beep to fake Carlton Banks uh, saying, like, hey, don't listen to anybody who wants to make you land. Yeah. So... If anything, Richard Thornburg is helping because his report could go out live on air and that mm. way more military, actual military, could... Holly McLean becomes a villain. She does a little bit. I kind of get what you're, where you're going with this. All he's doing is fine reporting work. Yeah, You wouldn't shock Woodward and Bernstein. It's the fact you that... would shock Mike Sheen, of course, but... Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't shock Bernstein for doing this. I think so, the idea is that it's the panic that it ensues. Because uh, you see, like, when it obviously starts getting reported, everyone, like, legs it out of the airport and there's just, like, chaos. But that's a good thing because otherwise they're going to get blowed up. Mm, yes. Like, it's straight up. They, they they held on to him being the villain in the first film and, well, we've got to make him the villain again when actually he's just got good journalistic integrity yeah. in this instance. Not in that first film. Um, so, yeah, but John McClane realises that John Amos and co. are villains. Yeah. Takes the submachine gun into uh, Lorenzo's office and shoots him with it. Yeah. Because it's his, holding uh, blanks. Yeah, does his best Alec Ball impression. Um, <laughs> with, but no. with that, do you not think? It's like, obviously, you're right. Lorenzo's not listening to him. <laughs> so- uh, Oh, I'm gonna keep it. I'll keep okay. it. I'm keep it. Um, but do you not know think, right? Okay, Lorenzo's not listening to him, and he goes, "Oh fuck it!" And then, bah, 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 bah. Uh, there's about like fucking fifty other cops in that room. Like, yeah. do you think they have enough time to react to realize that John McClane is fucking shooting their captain with blanks? Or do you think that, oh, fucking hell, this nut job who's just come in, who's been running around the fucking airport killing everyone, mm. has just rocked in with a fucking gun, is now shooting the fucking the chief of police? Oh. Let's just say it's a good job in 90s America that this was John McClane and not Al Powell. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say no more. Uh, so with this, uh, McLean commandeers a new helicopter to fly him to the runway where the 747 is going to take off. The one holding Stuart, Espinanza and Amos's or uh, General Grant's uh, guys. Yeah. So just quickly. So we've obviously we've had the we've had the reveal that General Grant is the bad guy because of John McLean with the 
blanks yeah. but then we need to hammer it home by him being like god i wish you were with us in cuba too throat stab to the one dude who kind of wasn't in on the mission yeah yeah that's a bit weird isn't it you you know what give him a chance yeah give him a chance to become a turncoat yeah if that... all of you all 30 of you hey by the way men, i'm gonna kill you if you don't join us uh, all right. yeah okay, cool what, what would you prefer life with a lot of money or death yeah um Again, it solidifies him as a villain, but it feels very, um, again, confused. I'm a little bit confused of what the relationship everybody is, uh, because I understand that this is slightly based off, uh, Colonel Stewart's slightly loosely based off Ollie North, um, who was a disgraced general, commander, whatever, um, from, I want to say it's Peruvian, or something else like uh, again not very familiar on American history but basically there was some dealings with where America was funding drugs uh, or using drug money to fund revolutionaries in South America right so now obviously when it came out it was a big scandal it's like well how the fuck could the US uh, you know be doing any of this stuff and you're like trust me they're probably doing a lot worse you just don't know about it yeah, yeah. now with that you have Esperanza, who is like this South American dictator, mm. and you see in news um, clips, you know, when they play it on TV, that Stuart and Esperanza have been have been sat together, like you know, signing documents and all that sort of shit. So you think, okay, they have like a prior relationship, but then Colonel Grant is like, oh yeah, I used to train that guy, and it's like, so. Yeah, you know I mean, like, so why are you now turning? Why? What's your motivations? Why have you jumped aboard this? Why? Why has anyone fucking jumped on board this? Why is he? Why is he a disgraced colonel? Why is he being like, like, like? It just there's not. I don't think enough obvious information out there. If it was really subtle, it's it like it's fucking flew by me by why everybody is fucking doing any of this shit. I think I think I have an answer for you. Go on then. It's been a while, but shut up, Affleck. <laughs> it, 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 it feels really weird sometimes. Like, like, because I can imagine when you've been, you know, uh, what's his face um, in Air Force One when that CIA guy or the fucking NSA guy turns coat and he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley. And you kind of question a little bit, like, mm, yeah, why did you turn coat? Why are you working with the fucking russians or whatever the fuck you guys are like why if it, after years of service have you decided to throw it all away become a, a a traitor to your country just quickly they're kazakhstani kazakhstani thank you um why have you done this like why yeah. would you throw away like you know 20 year career and your retirement and how much are they actually paying you how much was it i mean i would do it if it gave me the chance to shoot william h macy <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I really like William H Macy. Uh, that was just silly. I was going to say, what's he ever done to you? Nah, um, he's absolutely. I love. I will, I love William H Macy. He's he's got the same eyes as disgraced journalist Mike Sheen. Um, same haircut too. But same haircut. So yeah, he's got that kind of like. Maybe that's why him. I want to shoot him. Maybe it is. Maybe it's subconsciously. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, uh, John McClane gets on the plane. Uh, he traps the kind of rudder plane, rudder whatever, with his coat. Okay. Yeah. and fights Colonel Stewart, and Colonel Stewart's like... <laughs> well, he fights Grant first. And then Sorry, yeah, fights Grant. Fucking... Sorry, fights Grant. 
And yeah. um, uh, Grant's like, well, I could shoot him mm. or I could knife fight him. And you know what? Michael Myers, he is not because no. he gets thrown through the jet plane, the jet engine. Well, waste, then it? You just think to yourself, like, I could just shoot this guy or I can try for some fucking egotistical reason to try and kill him because it's personal or whatever fuck it is. And I suppose he had to go out there to get the coat out anyway. Yeah. But at the same time... But why Dude. Why try and do the let me kill two bears with one stone approach when I can go, let me just take care of this problem first and then deal with that. Yeah. You know I mean, it, it doesn't, again, military minds, you know, I mean, uh, he has of, a point. It's not like he has a point, true. It's not like he fought John McClane earlier and lost. Yeah. Like, he can just be like, that tick, that's the end of that chapter. Well, um, apparently, apparently. Uh, Amos and Bruce Willis did not get on uh, during filming. Apparently, there was a lot of tension. Why that was, I don't know, but it's been very well reported that they did not like each other. So maybe. No, Moonlighting was the better show. No, Roots was the better show. No, Moonlighting was. You know, that classic argument that Bruce Willis always gets into about Moonlighting. Yeah, so maybe they weren't pulling their punches, but then again, it wasn't even them. It would be their stuntman. So, right. <laughs> um, so he throws Colonel Stewart through the jet engine, which I think is always cool every time. Colonel see it. Uh, Grant, thank you. So, call it Grant, sorry, Major Grant, Colonel Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Legs. Um, <laughs> did you see him? Did you spot Johnny Legs? Uh, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> I was looking Where was hard. he? Nobody uh, knows. Uh, so yeah, then. McLean pulls the fuel tank of the plane mm. and my question is I suppose like the, the the American government or the airline or whatever whomever doesn't matter uh, was told like give us a plane at this place at this time now if yeah. you've seen Dog Day Afternoon you'll know that this never works right but in this one it was like a hair away from working if not for John McLean like why didn't they strap that plane with a bomb to go off or something hey, it's a mm. finicky point maybe, maybe there wasn't enough C4 to go around it doesn't matter but you'd think that that would be plan A. Yeah, they had um, like two months planning, I think, or something like that. I feel yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Chum McLean pulls the fuel tank. Colonel Stewart, shoot, Colonel Stewart shoots him off the plane. Because mm-hmm. he's not getting into a knife fight. How high do you think that wing is? Man, that's what I was going to ask. Like, everyone rags on Die Hard 4. Like, oh, he, f- oh, he f- fell off a chariot jump jet. And yeah, it's like Die Hard 2, he's still doing some... I called him Deckard from Blade Runner earlier. Yeah. He's a replicant in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of rolls off the fucking wing of a plane that's travelling. You know what I mean? It's just oh, like... it's, it's going some speed. I'm yeah. sure it's snow, but it wasn't that soft. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was obviously not enough snow that the plane couldn't get through it, so it's basically tarmac. Yeah, 100%. And then he's fine. He's cool. He's fine enough to say, yippee motherfucker. Yeah. Which, when I watched this as a kid, I watched it on TV... And they edited the line, obviously, for TV. Do you know what yes. they edited it to? Is this the Watermelon Farmers? No, line? they didn't do because it was after the war no. shit, so it wasn't Yippee Melon Farmers. They just edited it to Yippee Fucker. Oh, okay. So the BBFC That's... or whomever's rating was like, fucker's okay, but motherfucker, no, 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 no. Yeah, nobody um... will fuck anyone's mother here. <laughs> uh, the f- no fucking of the mothers or fathers. Um... So, yeah, he does that. He sets the fuel on fire because luckily he still smokes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the plane explodes. And then, Harley, it's your fucking landing light. It's like, Harley! Harley! 
Ole! Hey, Brace. Sounds like a fucking dying cat. Um, McLean says some joke about, like, why does this keep happening to us? It's like, you know what? This one didn't happen to you. Do you know what? why it keeps happening? Because your fucking nosy husband keeps sticking his nose in where it don't belong, love. That's, that's why it keeps fucking happening. But, but, but also, again, in that first film, Harley McLean, she's kidnapped, she's uh, nearly killed, she's this, she's yeah. that, she nearly falls out the wind. In this, she was sat next to a fucking dog abuser and got yeah. to tase Richard Thornburg. Nothing really okay. happened to you, Holly. Are You're you fine. saying that there's an element of stolen valor coming uh, from here? Bit, like a little bit, a little bit, just a yeah. little bit. Then Marvin comes along and is like, "Hey, Merry Christmas!" After Lorenzo gets to tear up John McClane's parking ticket and everything's but wrapped that, that up whole... in a nice little package. Uh, yeah, so Lorenzo fucking tearing that ticket. What does that to fucking do? It the does fucking... nothing because now he just can't go get his car. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, no, you probably need that. Uh, yeah. Fucking car's still impounded. Exactly. How's <laughs> um, he Marvin's dropping him off at home. Um, but also, uh, Craig, I don't know if you noticed this as well. Uh, so obviously he cuts to a wide shot and being driven off. Mm. But quite clearly you can see that um, Bruce Willis and what's the face? have now been replaced by two dummies. Brilliant. Uh, so you just see him like rickety off and he's just like, <laughs> wow, what a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and there's, I just we should mention it as well. Uh, after Bruce Willis nearly shoots Lorenzo with the blanks, Lorenzo realises that it's a double cross and he gets mm. the line, let's go kick ass. And it's his brother is who gave John McLean the parking ticket at the beginning of the film. So again, there's little moments like that where mm. when I'm younger, I'm just like, oh, this film's so clever. Oh my God, it's all well-rounded. Yeah. And now I'm just like, all right, uh, you know, but I'll try not to think about it. Always the issue with us, I think, unfortunately, when we come back to watch these movies, because we yeah. are looking to pick it apart. And then by yeah. doing that, we actually end up doing a fucking massive disservice to some of these movies that we hold yeah. very, very dear to us. What I would say, though, is that, uh, again, I, I think on... Maybe that's you backtracking a little bit now uh, from what I said earlier, that maybe this isn't the, the best movie. It's, it's, it's got, I think, better... I think it's got some slightly better action points, but at the same time, it feels like it's treading so much on the first movie that it is then hard to not then compare it to those first movies whereas you've got Die Hard with a Vengeance which is so wildly different yeah um, you know in terms of how you know the the characters interact with the main sort of like MacGuffins as it were you know what I mean it's like right okay cool so the the first two movies are about like terrorists uh, taking over and you're kind of confined slightly to these settings like Die Hard 1's in a um, in a, land, um, a skyscraper Die Hard 2's pretty much set at an airport Die Hard 3 is like the whole fucking city you know it becomes way yeah. more expansed yeah um, now I feel that because it feels like there's so many movies that have been like slapped together in Die Hard 2 where mm. it's like Okay, so we've got this terrorist takeover the airport. There's uh, there's, there's this kind of like disaster esque kind of element to it with the planes. There is now this double crossing of the military, um, and there's this sort of like political uh, sub tone that's going on with you know Espinanza and you know what's going on in you know the uh, the U.S. military government complex. And then you've got in the middle of this always you've got John McClane 
who is doing a kind of washed up version of John McClane from the first movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, and it's like, here are John McClane's greatest hits. And it just kind of goes a little bit like, yeah, this is a great movie. Like, and I'm being overly critical and picky now, but now <clears> watching <throat> it again, I just kind of, it does drop, just drop that platform. You know, when I was saying Die Hard 1, Die Hard 3 were slightly below it. I want to say that they rise up to a point where it's all quite equal. That whole trilogy is great. I love all all three of your movies, but now I find it very hard to pick out a favourite. I couldn't say that now one is the definitive better one because there's elements I like in all three of them. So for me, I can. Hmm. And I think... <laughs> Uh, no, I, I can I can rank them in regards to what I think is the best, yeah. and then I can rank them into what I think is my favorite. Yeah. Best it goes one three two, one three two. Okay, okay. And favorite it goes three one two. Okay, so two are always at the bottom for you. Two is always at the bottom just because it's got the most. It feels a bad disservice to Die Hard one. One and three, one and three are tied as to my favorites. Uh, two is it's just not as good. It's it's problem. It's got problems. It's not problematic. It's got problems. It doesn't live up to the expectation of one. It's not as fun as number three. The villains are a bit confused, and there's just in, there's too much in it where I'm just like, now hold on a second. Um, I wish there wasn't, but when the main drama of the film is to stop the planes from falling and actually they could just reroute 29 miles away <laughs> yeah there you go you know that, that's it's right. it's flawed what you could do is why wouldn't you do it almost a little bit like the die hard free bit where you create this thing at the airport so planes do get rerouted mm-hmm. right and so you're saying, right, all I want is fucking Esperanza to land at Dulles Airport. So everyone's focused on Dulles Airport. Mm. But the real plane you're trying to fucking take over is being rerouted to Reagan. And that could be yeah. like the fucking plane from Cliffhanger. The yes. one with all the fucking money in it. Great. Dulles to Reagan. Brilliant. Nicely done. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. You know, uh, my consultant's fee will be invoiced to you. <laughs> <laughs> that has been our Christmas episode on Die Hard 2 colon Die Harder. Uh, which the tagline, by the way, is lightning never strikes. They say lightning never strikes twice. They were wrong. <laughs> it's the second worst. It's I mean, the worst is always going to be this time. It's personal. But yeah, yeah, that this one almost takes the biscuit. Uh, we have been Adam Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema Podcast. We've currently, uh, before editing, been talking for longer than the film of Die Hard 2 itself. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on all other major streaming apps. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Adam and Craig's Guilty Pleasure Cinema. As always, it is Patreon begging time. It is the time of goodwill, so please donate yours uh, because you know Give what? me money. We want money. We and I, money I, now. <laughs> um, we have nothing to offer you other than this. So you know what? If you like what you heard, feel free to send us a pound for the Christmas spirit, or if not. Send us a like. Give us a like. Tell a friend. I feel like we're breaking people. People have been talking more and more about Patreon. Has been like, this yeah, is it. I feel like I'm going to give you a pound. I'm like, oh, go on, mate. <laughs> it's like Please. it's like Dadaist comedy. It's not funny up until the point where it suddenly is. You've just got to keep going. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just give us a like. Give us a share. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Uh. But most importantly, have a great Christmas. 
we will see you in the new year 2022 and i'll talk to you next week buddy uh thank you very much for listening guys hope you have a wonderful merry christmas and a happy new year and all that jazz uh we'll see you on the flip side ho 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 yippee ki yay motherfuckers We are watching a movie that we are talking about. So sit back and relax, and it's time to talk about it. Talk about it. Maybe get some popcorn, or maybe some snacks. Because we are watching a movie that we're gonna be a-talking about It's movie It's movie Hello and welcome to- are you recording? Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> There's the <laughs> end credits it's-